This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. So we have a bit of a bare bones uh, show for you folks this week. I've uh, got no music and uh, only one piece of listener mail, unfortunately. Uh, so this will be a short one, uh, but it's a good one. And uh, what we have will be coming up in a minute. <laughs> So welcome in, wrestling fans, and you are listening to The Next Pillar, your AEW podcast, where each and every Monday we give you a blend of balanced uh, entertainment and insight, uh, just inspired by the weekly goings-on in all elite wrestling. You can find us online at nextpillarawcom We are on social media at NextPillarAW, and you can follow me on Twitter at BlakeOnWax. And if you'd like to support the show, there is information about how to do that uh, in all of those places that I just mentioned. Uh, so coming here recording uh, day after Easter, uh, usually record, of course, on Sunday. Uh, so I know this episode will be a little bit late for you folks. Uh, but, you know, it's Easter. I got a little sleepy. Those who have had my aunt's ham realize that you get a little sleepy afterwards. Uh, you know, it's got it's got a solid brine on that. Uh, some of us are a little sensitive to sodium, you know. Uh, but yeah, uh, coming to you uh, here on a Monday, recording this uh, early Monday morning. And uh, my wife just wanted to mention uh, just that she was not able to uh, finish music for this show this week. And that's because we had a pretty big development in our lives occur, which is just, uh, I believe I mentioned this on air before uh, we were in the process of founding a uh, piano school and uh, her in particular, her curriculum uh, is all about uh, differentiated instruction uh, for neurodivergent uh, children. Uh, So, you know, kids uh, like me with ADHD or uh, kids with OCD or autism or things of that nature. Um, Her curriculum is uh, just really effective uh, for helping kids like that who uh, sometimes have problems, you know, in traditional, uh, you know, music situations. I know I had a really difficult time uh, picking up an instrument because, of course, when uh, you know you go to a lesson and you can't pick the song that you want to learn, uh, if you're like me and you have ADHD, it can make it hard uh, for you to stick with it. And so, I've probably spoken a little bit too much about that whole situation, uh, but we were able to. We finally have a pretty good lead on a space, and uh, my wife needed to work on some curriculum stuff for that. Uh, but she will be back, and uh, was talking to some folks in the Discord, and uh, this idea came up of uh, maybe having my wife each week, in addition to the music, do a little five-minute uh, check-in, kind of to just offer some some outside uh, spousal uh, perspective on uh, all. 
elite wrestling because I think as one person said, uh, you know, spouses are great for wild ass takes. So, uh, you know, why not? So we will be doing that starting next week. We'll have that. We'll have music. Uh, in fact, something I did want to mention on air uh, is just that we have roughly half finished uh, this piece about uh, Miro coming back, actually. And uh, were he to now uh, debut on Wednesday or Friday or what have you, uh, that piece would 100% be uh, ruined. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of just sitting back and watching uh, just whether that will happen or not. Uh, so yeah, I'm watching watching Dynamite for great interest. And if you folks uh, see Miro, uh, you can, of course, you have us to thank. Uh, so moving on. Pardon the uh, interruption there. It's just a little uh, crying baby. I know many of you out there uh, know how it goes. I was actually... Uh, thinking about John Moxley's uh, promo that he gave uh, just about how he had gone crazy uh, from the sleep deprivation of um, uh, just involved with taking care of the baby and uh, let me tell you I went back and watched that promo and uh, I I feel it and uh, I actually even think that uh, my baby might currently be the age of the baby uh, that John Moxley had when he gave that promo. Uh, so something, uh, you know, kind of speaking of recent life events uh, that I haven't talked about on here at all uh, is just that I'm a butcher by trade, actually. And uh, although I have not been working as one over the past uh, year and a half or so, I've had a extremely boring day job. Uh, but recently in the midst of kind of all this other stuff that's kind of happening uh, at home, uh, we also, uh, I got a, a really nice offer to uh, go back uh, and be a butcher again. And so that's something I'm really excited. And uh, if you're thinking to yourself, absolutely, I would love to interview the butcher uh, on the show. And uh, maybe that'll be my first uh, wrestler interview. What I would like to happen, though, is to really only have the conversation uh, be focused on uh, you know, the art of butchering, you know, I'd like to get his thoughts on, you know, the St. Louis style pork ribs debate or, you know, how fast he can break down a chicken. Uh, I think it would be a great, uh, I think it would be a great conversation. Uh, so yeah, I'll have to, uh, see if I can make that happen. Uh, also speaking of food, uh, I wanted to talk to you guys just about HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? Well, with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. In fact, that's why it's America's number one meal kit. And so, yeah, you know, something I just wanted to mention is as a butcher, I can say I've always been uh, pleasantly surprised by the quality of the meat in HelloFresh uh, meal kits. And it's all about convenience with HelloFresh, you know? Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned, so you're not overbuying or wasting any food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on a table in a snap with options like family-friendly or quick and easy recipes. Uh, if, you know, you may be in the segment of the audience that I will now lose, uh, if you're a, a vegetarian, just knowing that I'm a butcher, uh, they have uh, vegetarian options as well. 
HelloFresh also has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from, including low-calorie and carb-conscious options. Uh, So again, as you've heard here, uh, you just go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use code VOW16 and you can get up to six free meals and three free gifts and uh, that's let me tell you that's not a Tony Khan announcement folks so you get the 16 meals and the free gifts uh, you don't get Satnam Singh at your door uh, you get the you get 16 free meals and three free gifts uh, so again that's uh, hellofresh.com slash VOW16 and use code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts so of course made a little bit of a Satnam Singh joke uh, I uh, and again you know how often do I say this this is not a review show uh, but I did just want to talk about uh, Dynamite a little bit uh, in that it just really does illustrate the direction that the company is going in right now, that episode of Dynamite. Uh, that episode of Dynamite was uh, such a concise um, a concise conveyance of uh, just everything that is right and wrong about all elite wrestling right now uh we got on that episode of dynamite and uh, i'd like to use a little analogy to explain that and kind of flesh that out more but um i'm going to debut a new segment here i've had a few of you there's uh there's a couple folks in the discord and i've had a couple emails uh kind of poke fun at the fact that on multiple episodes here I've uh, used this great analogy of, uh, you know, oftentimes the creative direction, the booking in AEW uh, feels a little bit like Tony Khan having us over for dinner and maybe we can uh, see and maybe it's apparent that he may have been spending a little bit more time and attention on uh, some of the offerings more than the other offerings. And uh, so, in a new segment um, that uh, I'm going to call the uh, Analogy Retirement Ceremony, uh, I will officially retire the Tony Khan cooking dinner analogy for, uh, you know, to explain the creative direction of AEW. Uh, And it's going to go out with a bang here because last Wednesday, uh, it was again, you know, it was like Tony Khan inviting us over for Thanksgiving dinner. And and what did he have? Well, he had quite a spread, you know, and he let us know in the invites that, you know, talking was going to be at a minimum. And that's fine. Sometimes it's nice to have a dinner, you know, where we where instead of focusing on the conversation, we focus on the meal. And what did Tony serve us? Well, I mean, of course, the best part of it was, uh, uh, you know, it got bought a nice heritage bird. It was everything you'd want from the food of a Thanksgiving meal. Maybe it was a little bit light on uh you know maybe maybe you could have used a little bit more conversation maybe it would have been nice if he had made a little bit of like a festive punch maybe uh instead of uh you know just like a little carafe of water you know he could have put in a little bit of lemon and and cucumber but these are small complaints you know we were we were all prepared to be in the car on the way home from tony's house talking to our wife about what a wonderful meal we had and instead uh, we had to have a conversation, talk with her wife, and, you know, 
maybe she asked us if we had drank enough water that day and or maybe she asked us if we needed to go to bed early because uh, that's exactly what it was like because let me tell you it was at the end of the meal tony brought out just an amazing pumpkin pie and he went through it step by step he's like guys this pumpkin pie is the shit i even made a nice little streusel topping almost looks like a crumble on top of that thing this is not you know this is not your garden variety pumpkin pie that you get at a kroger this is quite a pumpkin pie and so i'm excited for this pumpkin pie obviously and i'm waiting with bated breath for, for this pumpkin pie and i'm enjoying the pumpkin pie but then you know what do you hear you hear a little little plastic container snap open you're like what's that and then Tony Khan starts talking about how maybe his parents ate some pretty weird stuff when he was a kid. Maybe he talks a little bit about Miracle Whip. Did you guys have to eat that when you were a kid? And it gets you thinking. You're like, oh, no. There's not Cool Whip in that plastic container, is there? Is there? Well, there was. Tony gave us a big dollop of Cool Whip. Ruined that pumpkin pie at the end of that meal. And let's be clear here. The Cool Whip is this Jay Lethal angle. I mean, is anyone interested in this Jay Lethal angle? I will say I am interested from one perspective. And that perspective is just that Jay Lethal, with this heel character, is giving off an astonishing amount of disappointed, mad youth pastor energy. And those of you who grew up in a church, you know what I'm talking about. Your youth pastor, you never could take him seriously because you knew you would never actually get in trouble with your youth pastor, now would you? You could think of the worst thing imaginable and your youth pastor is just going to look at you and be like, Blake, are you glorifying God with those actions? God, I heard that a lot. Uh, and that's the thing with Jay Lethal. <laughs> he has mad, disappointed, angry youth pastor energy. In fact... I would even go so far as to suggest that putting your middle finger in a box and opening it, that's about as bad youth pastor as it gets or youth pastor trying to be edgy as it gets. Like that's like if you had a youth pastor at his breaking point, like he's not going to beat somebody up or something like that. He's going to put his middle finger in a box and open it. But I digress. Uh, it uh, That episode of Dynamite, uh, was fantastic up until the very end and I know a lot of other people have talked about this as well and on some level you do have to appreciate uh, just as a fan myself you know of Ring of Honor and I've talked about on this podcast just how much I would love to have Ring of Honor uh, be a consistent second AEW brand, maybe one that focuses a little bit more on the in-ring product, and one that maintains all the current um, yeah, like titles and rules of Ring of Honor. Uh, I think it would be wonderful for the wrestling business if that happened. And so on some level, you know, I do appreciate just that they devoted the main event of Dynamite into this, to this uh, Samoa Joe, Jay Lethal, and now Satnam Singh angle. Uh, so on one on one hand, you do appreciate the attention that they are showing Ring of Honor just because uh, at least kind of what I see in the tea leaves is it does seem like, uh, you know, Samoa Joe uh, will be 
you know, viewed as like essentially a ring of honor guy, uh, you know, equal or maybe even more so uh, to being an AEW guy. Uh, so on that level, you know, I do appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, you know, I can't think of a better dynamite uh, to uh, illustrate, again, just the highs and lows of where the company is at right now. Uh, and I'll get to that a little bit later here in the show. But uh, first, I did want to get to listener mail. And uh, I mentioned this earlier, but uh, yeah, we only had uh, one email this week. And, uh, you know, look, I get it. I mean, I took a couple weeks off. You know, I moved the time slot. And uh, I knew it would be a while before folks adjusted. And we've had this happen before. I think, um, yeah, there was a show where I only had one. And then the next week we had a ton. Uh, But from Ida, who uh, has emailed the show three times. So shout out to Ida. Uh, What do you think about Tony Nese these days? I've found him mostly boring outside of some Dragon Gate uh, work that he's done and wasn't thrilled to have him in AEW at all, but the match with Swerve Strickland and now this new Mark Sterling partnership have me wondering if maybe Tony Nese is going to be a thing. Uh, So thanks for that, Ida. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad they've decided to actually do something with Tony Nese to set him apart from some of these other kind of similarly sized 205 Live guys. Uh, The Smart Mark thing, I think, is, uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, I'm wondering, um, I'm wondering, you know, maybe if uh, some of the other managers, uh, you know, who are no longer with the company, I wonder, you know, like a Tully Blanchard or an Arn Anderson, um, I'm wondering if maybe them not being on TV now is more of a thing to maybe get more time for a, a Smart Mark Sterling. So that's an interesting idea to think about. Um, but uh, yeah, I do think, uh, you know, I'm glad that they're, again, you know, that they're doing something uh, different with Tony Nese, pairing him with Smart Mark Sterling. Uh, I also like that at least right now it appears that Smart Mark Sterling is kind of like a Paul Heyman figure in that you can be managed by Mark Sterling, but not necessarily. Uh, have to relate to the uh, other clients that he has or, you know, kind of be included in angles with them. Uh, like, I will turn on this Smart Mark Sterling thing pretty quick if, like, the Jade Cargill segment now has, like, Tony Nee standing in the background. Uh, no one wants to see that. Uh, so I've enjoyed the way that they've done this Smart Mark Sterling stuff where, you know, he has this side business with MJF. He has Jade Cardgill, and now he has Tony Nese. Uh, I think that's cool, you know, especially uh, having a client in the women's division and in the men's division. Um, and again, you know, I talk about this t- this a lot, uh, just the lack of consistent week-to-week storytelling and uh, speaking of Smart Mark Sterling and MJF, like what is going on with the pinnacle right now? Um, I understand they're in a bit of a tricky situation uh, with like plotting what's next with MJF while also having to navigate this recent FTR face turn. Uh, and, you know, Tully Blanchard now, uh, you know, just being in Ring of Honor, it appears. Uh, so we knew there'd be some, some changes to navigate there. Uh, but what happened to the pinnacle, you know? And I, again, you know, I've said this before, but it's like uh, when, you know, virtually you have stables like Team Taz and now the Black Bull Combat Club, where it's like literally everything they touch is turns to gold. Uh, it just kind of makes some of these other stables uh, 
seem a lot more worse kind of just by comparison you know uh like i don't think they've necessarily done anything wrong with best friends of the dark order uh but you can just tell you know the difference between a team taz where you know that every segment is going to be gold uh and again a best friends or a dark order or uh you know i just feel like it might be a good opportunity for them to kind of just uh do a bit of a restart with some of these mid-card acts who i think at this point uh fans are going to stop caring about if they haven't already just because again they know like oh this person is in best friends or this person's in dark order this isn't one of the like important stables because fans i think are more savvy than folks uh give them credit for in terms of their ability to tell which things in AEW are things that tony khan is invested in and uh which things tony khan uh maybe doesn't care as much about um and i'll flesh that out a little bit more uh later uh, so yeah, I will uh, be back uh, in a bit here just with some further thoughts that I had about uh, last week's AEW programming. Uh, but before then, uh, again, my wife was not able to do any music for the show, but uh, did want to share something with you folks. Uh, last week, I played a song uh, that was just uh, my wife's old band uh, was a song of hers because uh, she wasn't able to do music a few weeks ago. And a lot of you folks actually seem to really enjoy uh, just kind of hearing a random song on here. I do know that just, you know, listening to one person talk uh, for an hour can get a little grating at times. So, uh, yeah, you know, even when uh, my wife isn't able to cook something up, I do want to bring some levity to the show. So uh, I hope you enjoy this tune. Uh, It's from a band called Alcapa. Don't wanna 
Again, that was a song uh, called Move Me uh, from a band called Alka Pops. Uh, incredible songwriting uh, from Leland Brell, uh, who I worked with when he was in a band called Mr. Bones. Uh, and if you can find that self-titled tape out there in the wild or uh, find it on Spotify, uh, you should give it a listen. Because uh, again, uh, it's, it's incredible songwriting. If you've ever wanted to know what it sounds like you know, to have Stefan Merritt front guided by voices that's the the songs of Leland Brell uh, so what a weird show Battle of the Belts or I guess I should say Battle of the Belts 2 was uh, and it for me it really was like kind of the end of a pretty unsatisfying batch of AW programming that we got this week um, I think the divide is becoming pretty stark between the product that AEW is putting out in the ring uh, and the product that AEW is putting out with its storytelling. And I think that this week that that contrast has never been more stark. Uh, you know, Battle of the Belts began with uh, the continued bungling of Sammy Guevara, who, uh, as a lot of you know, is like uh, overall, you know, probably my favorite pillar or at least uh i guess the one that i kind of uh that i'm rooting for the most i guess you could say uh and uh my wife is going to be on the show next week her little five minute thing is going to be uh in defense of sammy and ty conti and uh i'm not going to go that far out on a branch i i think i talked about last week just uh i don't really understand the degree of animosity coming from the fans uh, towards Sammy and Ty because I'm kind of one of those guys where, uh, you know, I kind of think they're a cute couple and I kind of like seeing uh, the two of them together on screen. And again, I know some of you may be like, well, that may say more about you and your wife than it says about Sammy and Ty Conti or the fans, Blake. And uh, yeah, you know, the situation with the a uh, picture of them in the TNT title. That is absolutely something that my wife and I would do. And uh, I'm not ashamed of that. But uh, I do understand that, uh, you know, obviously if the fans are booing this and uh, every other, uh, you know, wrestling writer, podcaster, whatever that I respect is also taking a shit on this angle. Uh, you know, I know that I'm the one that's wrong and that it's not uh, some failing of folks to understand uh, the appeal of Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara together. What I can say is that the way that they have booked the TNT title over the past couple months, and again, we don't know how much of that was a byproduct of that Cody Rhodes contract situation and what him and Tony may have been working out during those negotiations that were breaking down. Uh, but yeah, this TNT title booking and also this American top team angle uh, should be just red hot, even though, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say the Scorpio Sky thing was a, a failure. I was you know more than willing to give it some more time just because 
you know, again, that last one of those last vignettes he did on Rampage with the snapping. It's like I can see the potential there. I can see, uh, you know, what the supporters of Scorpio Sky, you know, within AEW can see. Um, I can see the potential as well, but I think it's safe to say, you know, again, uh, Scorpio Sky as TNT champion has not turned any heads, unfortunately. Uh, and a lot of that is no fault of Scorpio Sky himself. It is a, again, lack of consistent week to week storytelling uh, with Scorpio Sky in this division. And a lot of it, again, may have. Uh, to do with uh, you know contract negotiations with Cody Rhodes and things like that in terms of um, you know why the past six months uh, have not been kind uh, to the TNT title and which is partly you know beyond just loving Miro uh, why we tried to work up uh, a song you know begging please Miro come back uh, not just because we like Miro here we also yeah we're we're huge fans of his TNT title run um and again you know looking back at last week's Dynamite uh my big takeaway from it um is just how illustrative it was of the pros and cons of AEW over the last couple months where we have these amazing matches largely on the men's side of things which I'll, I'll get into later that's not a fault of the talent that's a fault of the booking um, but yeah you know it's like obviously I loved watching the wrestling that happened this week uh, you know many of you folks know that um, I've spent a lot of the past year uh, hoping that Samoa Joe would come back and have matches exactly like the one that we got um but at some point it's like yes the wrestling is always great and at the end of the day you know we usually watch a show and uh even if the creative is you know not as consistent as it should be i still might find myself walking away you know from each episode of dynamite each pay-per-view each rampage uh largely satisfied uh as these creative issues continue though and i see them making the same mistakes over and over again you know especially in the women's division uh it begins to bleed into the enjoyment of the show and i think that that's not just something that i experience because i host a wrestling podcast i think it's something that fans experience too and i think that fans can tell again fans are sometimes smarter than folks uh give them credit for i think the fans can tell you know, this is the stuff that Tony Khan, maybe they don't, they can't even put the words to it, you know, they, but they can tell that, you know, this is the stuff that the person in charge is paying attention to. And this is the stuff that the person in charge does not give a shit about. Uh, and I think that comes across on AEW programming uh, each and every week. And I think that that's something that maybe if they don't acknowledge it, maybe they may not have that exact thought. I do think that on a subconscious level, and it's the same in WWE, where you see fans, they realize like, oh, the WWE doesn't care about this person, so I don't have to either. And I think that AEW is in a danger zone here with their creative, because I think they are creating that same vacuum uh, with a lot of this, again, lack of consistent storytelling on a weekly basis. And if you listen to Tony Khan speak, uh, I was there's a couple things that that have me feeling pretty worried about the AEW uh, creative 
situation, I guess. Uh, at that Supercard of Honor show, which again was a fantastic pay-per-view, uh, he was asked at the media scrum uh, just about, you know, are you going to have someone help your creative direction uh, now that you have this, you know, potential second brand of programming to, to book? And Tony's response uh, essentially, uh, you know, was to, you know, point finger guns after you make a field goal at the YMCA. You know what I mean? Uh it was, uh, he basically said something to the effect of, well, I thought tonight's show went pretty great, so I'm not really worried about it. Where it's like, I'm sorry, dude, there's a big difference between booking a successful Ring of Honor pay-per-view and, again, booking a wrestling program on a weekly basis. And, you know, now, in fact, booking two or possibly three or four on a weekly basis. Uh, and... The other thing that has come out over the past few weeks that has really concerned me is just his comments. Uh, let's see. I believe it was on Busted Open Radio. But I could be wrong. Uh, where, you know, folks asked him, you know, what was the deal with that Satnam Singh thing? And again, I'm not a review show. I'm not going to be the fifth podcast that you guys listen to that talks about that Satnam Singh thing uh, too, too, for too long. Um, but Tony's response was... Uh, well, it wasn't my idea, but there was someone with 30 years of production experience that gave it a green light. Uh, number one, uh, Tony, I think it's really important that you don't pass the buck like that because immediately my mind goes to, you know, why is someone with 30 years of television experience, uh, still so bad with creative stuff that they think that that is the proper way to debut a Satnam Singh. Uh, and it does make me worry just how often this is now happening, where if someone with, quotes, experience uh, pitches a story idea or an angle or the ending of a massive show, uh, this dynamite was a massive dynamite. And AEW, I think really needed to have a great start to finish uh, episode of Dynamites. And this was even kind of billed as like, a, hey, we're getting back to wrestling with this show, so there's not going to be very much talk. It's only going to be wrestling. And then you end it with this like cartoonishly bad debut of Satnam Singh. Uh, and again, it has me worried. Where How often is this going to happen? Where if no one in a production meeting, I guess, voices hey, maybe this is a bad way to debut this person, uh, then it gets on TV. Because, Tony, uh, you had to have known that that was going to be a disaster. Uh, I guess maybe maybe I put too much faith in Tony Khan. Uh, you know, that's certainly something that uh, a friend of mine who used to do a, a wrestling podcast suggested to me. Uh, but watching some of the storytelling that Tony Khan has done, uh, I know that he probably knew that that was not the best way to end the show. Um, I do think that he probably, uh, as his want to do, uh, or as he is want to do, I should say, I think he probably may have misunderestimated uh, just how negative the reaction to that ending angle would be. Uh, but still, I know that he, deep down, he knew that that wasn't a great angle to put on TV. Um, and it worries me uh, because the situation that this reminds me of is, 
you know, when I'm finished with the show and I've sent it to Rich and I pop an edible and my wife asked me how oh, was that show and I'm like, oh, it was best, fu- great fucking show. I just one of the best I've done. And then I listen uh, to it the next day and I see that uh, I had a gigantic editing mistake wherein I talked for like the second half of that CM Punk piece that my uh, wife cooked up, which um, I'm just going to let me just take care of this right now.
in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net, arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And again, you know, this may have not come across uh, because I was talking during a lot of the second half of it, but. We had a listener write in and suggest uh, that we cook up some 8-bit slash, you know, chiptune versions of some AEW themes uh, to send to uh, Matthew at uh, Botchamania, which I have not done yet. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I guess I should since a, a listener suggested that. Uh, but yeah, again, that was uh, a, a chiptune version of CM Punk's theme. I just wanted to play that again this week since I ended up talking over a lot of it last week um yeah uh and that's what i i'm just a little bit worried about tony uh because he kind of has a uh you know a a dunking when maybe you shouldn't be dunking mentality uh it seems when it comes to this stuff um but yeah there is a recent issue i have uh with the storytelling in particular and look, I know I'm not the I know I'm not the only one who complains about this stuff. 
especially this issue in particular, but I was deeply disappointed by the booking of this Tony Storm Jamie Hader match uh, for this week's edition of Dynamite already. And I know that some other podcasts, some other AEW podcasts had this exact same complaint. Uh, but sometimes uh, the fact that, you know, if I agree with people that I, I don't always agree with, uh, that's also a way that I can know that something's pretty important. And so I wanted to talk a little bit just about uh, why I think that in particular the way some things in this tournament have already been been handled uh, have me really worried that AEW is going to miss a really good opportunity in this tournament um, to make up for their bad creative as they often do by telling some really good stories in the ring like you look at that like what is one of the best storytelling moments in AEW over the past year it's that Brian the the John Moxley Wheeler Yuta match. It's the Brian Danielson Wheeler Yuta angle. Uh, it's all these things that are not happening, you know, in a backstage segment. Which again, those seem to just feel more rudderless as thing as things go along. Like those backstage segments seem less put together, less directed, less there's so much less intent in them, uh, and they're so much less effective than what a John Moxley or a Brian Danielson or a CM Punk is able to do in the ring. Um, and there are many wrestlers in the AEW women's division who I know can also tell those kinds of stories, but they have not been given the opportunities to do so. And again, you know, back to this tournament situation, a lot of folks have suggested that, you know, Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter should have been the final of this tournament. And I don't agree with that actually, but I certainly think it should have been saved a bit later because now what we have is either Tony Storm is going to miss out on that opportunity or Jamie Hayter is. And Jamie Hayter is someone who, uh, and again, I'm not the only one complaining about this stuff, but this is someone that this company has underutilized uh, for the better part of a year now. She's been in this uh, angle, I guess, with Britt Baker. Uh, for much longer than fans have really wanted to see go on. Uh, and I do think actually that like the best case scenario of what I think we all assume is going to happen, which is, you know, Tony Storm beating Jamie Hayter and going on in this tournament. Uh, I think maybe the best case scenario of that is they finally pull the trigger on, you know, a Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter feud. Uh, and I do think that even though the creative has kind of wound that down to a point where people are kind of going to stop caring about it, I do think that uh, Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker are people that the fans care enough about and are talented enough to where they can heat that back up. Uh, and it could be a pretty compelling feud. So hopefully, you know, that's kind of the best case scenario of what, uh, you know, you're looking at as a Jamie Hayter fan. Or maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. And they have Jamie Hayter go over, as we've seen. Uh, you know, I was very pleasantly surprised that Powerhouse Hobbs got that win over Keith Lee. Swerve Strickland's loss, too. You know, you see Tony has a willingness uh, to bring Ruby Soho, to bring folks in from WWE, uh, and have them lose pretty soon to the folks that he's invested in. And so maybe I'm wrong with my reading of this situation. Maybe Jamie Hayter will win. Um, 
But you also have to wonder, you know, again, it's like if Jamie, if Jamie Hayter wins, then I'm bummed that Tony Storm isn't in more of this tournament. Because unfortunately, uh, you know, that Red Velvet win, I know a lot of folks like her work in the ring, but, you know, for me, Red Velvet has had storylines. Red Velvet has had opportunities. Red Velvet has really not gotten over. Uh, and you have someone like Willow Nightingale who... I was really excited to go, you know, hopefully deep into this tournament. And again, instead we have we have Red Velvet in this tournament. Um, and that's really the issue with the women's division. I misspoke on here uh, a few weeks ago saying that a lot of the issues with the women's division is a matter of recruitment. Um, and someone, you know, had a good question in the Discord about, you know, who do you feel like they're missing out on? And it's like when you sit and think about it, it's not so much that they're not recruiting the right people it's that they're not using the right people after they recruit them or, or at least uh that's one of my criticisms about the division again the the big thing is just uh we can tell you know some some in some ways pretty literally but at the very least you know i think fans already are starting to tell on a subconscious level uh that tony khan just does not have the same passion for booking a again a woman's division on a consistent weekly basis as he does you know for some of the other booking stuff that he does for the company uh there is no reason that i'm not saying that you know everyone should get the jade cargill push but i absolutely think that every wrestler in the women's division should get that level of attention that aw creative has shown to jade cargill um and yeah, just very disappointed at uh, how this Owen tournament is being booked on the women's side so far. And I know, yeah, it's pretty, you know, it, we haven't even had all the qualifying matches yet. I know it's it's pretty, you know, it's it's I'm kind of maybe jumping the gun already complaining about the booking of this. But again, you know, when you've been watching the way that AEW has handled the women's division over the past year, it's really hard to have a lot of faith uh, that they're going to be able to make this tournament everything that it could be for the women's division. You know, again, I was just thinking, talking about Super Card of Honor again. I remember watching, uh, you know, that Martinez Willow Nightingale match and thinking, like, why hasn't this match happened on AEW TV? You know, why don't they have matches like this? Or, or you know, a match like we've seen with, uh, you know, they'll carve out these pretty significant uh, parts of time for, you know, CM Punk to have a long match or Darby Allen and Andrade to have a, a, a long match. And I'm not saying they don't do that on occasion, but at some point you have to wonder why the Hikaru Shida Serena Deeb feud feels novel because the attention that they've shown that feud should be the attention that they show every feud in the women's division. And, you know, I, I can't help but think about the future or at least the apparent future of you know the men's title where it looks like they're building to uh you know a punk hangman feud uh where there's really no doubt in my mind that cm punk fighting hangman page and having a feud with hangman page uh is going to be one of the greatest feuds of AEW, both because of the talent of everyone involved you know particularly cm punk who 
again, you know, I said, like, if they do this MJF feud right, he's going to feel like CM Punk again. He's going to be reinvigorated. And what we've seen is that even when CM Punk, like right now, isn't really in a program with anyone, he is making absolutely killer television on a weekly basis, uh, you know, even by fighting someone like Dax Hardwood. Like, that feels vital now, where it's like, how many of those early CM Punk matches, like the one with Matt Seidel or what have you, do you even remember? But I think a lot of us will mention, will remember that that match with Pensa or the match with Dax Hardwood. I think a lot of us will remember those matches, and it's because CM Punk feels revitalized by this feud. And the idea to see him go against Hangman Page, who I know some of you have criticized I don't talk about Hangman Page enough, uh, particularly relative to Adam Cole, but Adam Page is kind of one of those guys where he's like the most solid guy in your friend group. How often do you find yourself worrying about the most solid guy in your friend group? You don't because you have less solid friends to worry about. But you know you need a ride to the airport. You need someone to go to a Blazer game with. You call your most solid friend, you know? And uh, yeah, Hangman is an incredible talent uh i absolutely feel like he's deserving of the world title i do think though again it kind of seems like tony khan had a a pretty you know uh ambitious plan with this hangman page omega storyline that again you know is a highlight in AEW history and always will be uh but where is the hangman page kenny omega story in the women's division because there are so many stories like that that could be told and should be told. But will they be told? I mean, only if Tony has the commitment to do so. Um, and so, yeah, it's like even as a massive fan of CM Punk and, uh, you know, a really big fan of Hangman Page, it's like, yeah, of course I'm excited to see that title feud. But it's kind of like in the back of my mind, I think about it where it's like, Oh, this is like another tremendous piece of storytelling uh, in the men's division. Like, when when is the women's division going to get these kind of compelling stories that we know that AEW is capable of telling? And that attention, you know, that commitment from Tony Khan himself is ultimately the thing that is always going to hold the women's division back. Because when you have one person in charge of creative, it becomes very clear which things Tony Khan is excited about and which things are like, I don't know what Thunder Rosa has been up to since winning the women's title. Um, I can't believe they actually did a cake angle for that. Like that's like the stereotypical, like, well, the WWE obviously doesn't care about this person angle. They actually did a cake angle. Uh, and so, yeah, AEW is a is a wonderful product on a weekly basis when it comes to the in-ring uh, the in-ring product and even the in-ring storytelling that happens. But when it comes to the creative side of things, more and more uh, AEW is is that that divide again between uh, the things that Tony Khan pays attention to and the things that he doesn't. That divide has never felt more stark than it does right now on the creative side of things and so tony khan that's right tony khan uh my words of wisdom for you this week 
are just uh, consistency is key. We've seen we've seen that in so many places, you know, Tony. Uh, you know, when it comes to the wrestling business. But let's talk about life. Let's talk about life. Consistency is key. Again, you never worry about the most solid guy in your friend group. What's up, Colby? Uh, but maybe you should, and maybe. Uh, if you are a little bit more consistent uh, in how you relate to your, your friend group, maybe you'd realize that some of the people that you may have thought aren't so solid are actually the most solid. Uh, you know, maybe you'd find... Uh, well, maybe you should consider... Have you ever done a bullet journal? That's very helpful for a lot of people. Um, it's really nice. You, know, you can make it out of any notebook. Understand directions online about it. It's helped me immensely, Tony. Uh, and yeah, we just want to see some powerful storytelling, some innovative storytelling uh, in our AEW Women's Division. And with that, I'll see you next week, guys. Thank you.